Welcome to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Locksecutioners. We're going to be eating lightning and talking thunder and drop kicking you right in the ear holes. It sounds like we have thrown out our theme song and we're just we, going with whatever now. What's the story? What's up with today's? It is total anarchy. Okay. okay. I mean, we started something. We started something with the walk-in, walk-out songs and we can't stop it now. I mean. I'm excited today because we have we have a musician on, okay? Okay. Musician going to play some music, and we'll get into that later. We're doing our first video podcast, as everyone can see. So I thought, okay, we're having a musician on. What we'll do is we'll have him open with a song, play a song. That's our opening thing. He was not having it. He he's like, no, no, no. This Pantera uh, song gets me gets me going. And so so he requested he, a yes, walkout song that. That's exactly like right. our last guest. Yes. So now it's a thing. Now it is a thing. Gotta give the people what they want. And that's what we do around here. That's what we do. I'm excited about this. Okay. How do you feel about our first our first video? We're we're. I look good. I look, <laughs> I, I look really good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. did you have a hard night last? I know it was it was Cinco de Mayo. It was Taco Tuesday. It was total anarchy. Anarchy, chaos, mayhem up here at the brick we house. We got our ass whooped a little bit last night. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, hey, and I wasn't even at ground zero. I was at home with the kids, but I was, what you, I was managing the, <laughs> I was managing social media like well, you were managing no social, other. That's what you were doing, managing social media. Yeah, that's shout, what you have. Shout out to my girls and my staff last night. They, they killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I saw all these people, I can't get through at the brick house, blah, 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 blah. That was so, insane. That Cinco was, de Mayo on a talk. Go Tuesday. With no dine-in. People just have to come curbside and pick it up. Yes. Oh, that's... You should have set up a little pinata out in the parking lot. (laughs) They would have beat it like it was us. Fiesta. Did you... uh, We talked about the last dance last time. Did you catch it? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. The the first one. So that would have been five. Episode five was on point. I thought it it was the best one, too. Yes, absolutely. Six was still good, too. Six Six was was the next best. But five was was freaking good. I loved it. Five was good. For all of our millions of listeners out there, I have a little little inside scoop. I've been told episode seven and episode ten are unbelievable. Seven and ten. Well, I read it on Twitter. It's not much of an inside <laughs> scoop, but <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, hey, let's let's get into our guest. Let's okay. do it. I'm excited about I this one. I, I I don't want to keep saying we keep stepping it up because that would be uh, hurtful to Dave. Yeah, let's. <laughs> but we're we're going live video. Live video. Still still putting out the, podcast, have the audio. Audio. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the sound is there. Hopefully. Who knows? Probably not. Probably okay. Not. <laughs> you know what? We're on this, trying to put this together. So, our guest today uh, is kind of a, a musical legend around the Riverbend area. Legend. I, I, and then you know, I've kind of you know, I did my research. Did did do any this time? Uh, I, I'm looking I, at your notepad, and says, what you it says Billy Hurst, and what you have written on it says <laughs> Billy Hurst, and the I rest under, of his, I underlined them though. Oh, okay, you underlined it. Yep. That's all it says. It says Billy Hurst. That's that's what you have. I have notes. I have, I mean, because this guy was easy to find. He's on YouTube. He's all over the place. Well, at the end of our last show, I told you, hey, could you share some of that knowledge with me before we get on? And you said, well, yeah, I'll share it to you during I, the show. Well, since so, we've been on here last time. I thought that's just what we're doing. You're the researcher. I'm just the 
I'm just the organic, hey, whatever comes to my mind, I'm going to throw it out there. Then. Well, let's let's really say what you just provide the studio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, back to our guy. He's sitting much. patiently. Uh, this guy's story is great. It it starts out in little Grafton, little river town of Grafton, Illinois. Makes its all way. Makes his way all the way to Nashville. Uh, you know, puts out albums. He's photographer for the Cardinals. I'm not going to get too much into it because because uh, I know him and he he has a he has a lot to say. Now, before we bring him on, little cheers, brother. Cheers. So, without further ado, bringing on our guest, and with all these cameras angles were really fancy, Mr. Billy Hurst, my friend. How you doing, Billy? Doing well, doing well. Thank you for the uh, fantastic introduction. Well, <laughs> well you've, you've kind of watched us try to put this whole thing together. I know you're a true professional. I know you. I've seen you. I've seen you. I've seen you live in concert. I, and I've seen that the, the uh, video lives that you do. You're a true professional. I try. <laughs> it doesn't always work out, but I try. I'm so jealous of that studio I mean, background. We, <laughs> hold on, look at ours. He, yeah, we, we the shit. guy that we're having on our podcast has a better studio <laughs> than we have. And I'm Not glad hard. they can't see the setup behind the camera. But, uh, Billy, what you got going on back there? Back behind me is just, uh, just music. I mean, this is what we're in the, uh, what I like to call the listening room or the listening lounge. My kind of my man cave. I mean, I've got all my sports stuff on the other side of the room, and all my music stuff on this side. You got albums, eight tracks, cassettes, CDs, whatever I want. Now, like I told you, us Billy and I are friends, okay, and we've been friends for several years now. I can't tell you how many hints, not subtle hints. I have thrown out there trying to get an invite to this listening room. <laughs> trying. Should, this is what you really want. What? You want the invite so you can go over there and you'd be like, oh, you got that album? I've always wanted that album. I think that artwork's so cool. <laughs> and you try to get him to give it to you so you can go home and frame it and put it in your living room. Two things about that. <laughs> I know his ass has never <laughs> letting me walk out of there. I'm, he might pat me down before I get out of <laughs> there. I know that's it. You and should. actually, Billy gave one time for Christmas. Billy gave me because I'm a you know I'm a giant Johnny Cash fan. Yeah. Uh, and he gave me awesome present for Christmas. A couple Johnny Cash records that I still have that were really they're really old. It was did, they were. Did awesome. you frame them? What's that? You're an album I, framer. I do not have them framed, but I have them displayed on my yes. my record player or whatever. I, I think you got to show well, you got to show everybody this shirt you got started, going I don't on know here if we can Billy, all, check this out. All our camera angles. Todd can... might be your number one fan. Look at that! I heard a shirt. It's an original. It's customized. <laughs> that is fantastic. It is. It is <laughs> customized. You didn't have to go with the homemade bootleg shirt, man. I, I would have got you one. I promise. <laughs> no, so you know he's when you know what that bootleg. You know what that comment meant. He's not getting any proceeds or royalties from that. That's that's what that meant, <laughs> a bootleg. <laughs> and you know what? I actually made Ross wear a Whitey Morgan shirt because generally you... Todd picked out my my uh, wardrobe uh, today. Yeah, I provide I the com it. I provide the comedy, the uh, rugged good looks, and now I'm providing wardrobe. Now I'm, I'm doing wardrobe <laughs> for this show, and my my duties never never end. Um, but we're just gonna like what we kind of do here is we just want to tell your story and you have a great story um 
this may hopefully it doesn't it might turn into a mini series like Lonesome Dove, but we'll we'll see. Um, so we already talked on your musical. So when did you get into music? Tell tell us from the beginning. When did you start? How, I mean, did you did you come out the womb playing a ukulele or what? Tell us what happened. How did how how did you start? Well, first of all, I I have a story. I, I don't know if I have a great story, but, but I have Billy, a story. Billy, our millions of listeners want a great story, so you better start <laughs> making some crap up, okay? We Hey, from our social media, we we know that we at least have six listeners six, now. We We're are up, up to, to six, six listeners, Billy, so no pressure, no pressure on you today, but we have six, we have six listeners. We are up to six listeners. Well, yes. um... I listened to Dave's show last week, and, and I thought it was phenomenal. I li- I've listened to, I believe, all of them. So, thank yes, you. Yeah. Seven. But Seven. as far Seven. as far as the music is concerned, when did I get my start? If 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 that's really what you're wanting to know, yeah. I mean, I, I did. I pretty well came out of the womb. Um, Mom always said whenever uh, I was inside the womb, she was listening to Charlie Rich, and uh, and I, I, I did. I just came out. She played that. Uh, Behind closed doors, Charlie Rich, over and over and over again, because she said that was the only thing that like would calm me down, and stop from kicking. <laughs> um, so she she played that, but no, my my musical influences came from mom and dad at a very yeah. early age. No, um, you know, they they always had music in the house um, from Jim Croce, Creedence Clearwater Revival, The Eagles. Uh, Charlie Rich, Kenny Rogers, Little Richard, Kenny Elvis, Rogers. all different things. Now. You say, are they musical? Do they play instruments? Do they sing? My dad played uh, trumpet when he was like in high school, but mm-hmm. no, they they didn't. They they both sang a little bit. Yeah, they both mm-hmm. could sing, but but they never really sang. You know, it's like kind of sing in the shower, kind of or in the car. Mm-hmm. No, they never sang out in public. So, did you come? Did you learn to play an instrument at early age? When did how did it start? I mean, got the no, influence like said, from just pretty much. Um, Pretty much just um, listening to the songs that mom and dad had going on around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, the the the, the Jim Croce. Yeah, I'll, I'll play it. Play a play little songs. Uh, like the pine trees winding the winding road. I've got a name. I've got a name. You know, stuff like little Jim Croce. You hear that going on in the background, or. Um, just got home from Illinois, locked the front door open. Got to set down, take a risk on the phone. Some green clear water. Um, like I said earlier to Charlie Rich, my baby makes me proud. Lord, don't you make me proud. You know, that, that was the one that kind of calmed me down. Um, but one that I know you're going to love that we had mom, my mom and my aunt Paula loved, uh-huh. loved, loved Kenny Rogers. And uh, I think uh, this one's going to take you back a ways. 20 years across. Well, why are you doing this to me, Billy? Why, why, do, why are you doing this to me? He wasn't holding nothing back. He didn't have it all. When Tommy left the barroom, not a Gatlin boy was standing. Said this one's for Becky as he watched the last one fall. I heard him say, I promised you, Dad, not to do the things you've done. I walked away from trouble when I 
can. Now please don't think I'm weak. I didn't turn the other And Papa, I sure hope you understand. Sometimes you gotta fight when you're a man. Everyone considered him the coward of the county. Why, why you got to get me in tears right at the beginning, Billy? Why you do that? Why you got to do that? Dude, I got to tell you, I was so hoping that I wasn't going to come back from this and flip back and see you standing there in your tidy whities punching your Sugar Ray Leonard punch. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. God, I love that but, song. You know, like I said, man, there was music, go- music always um, in the house when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Um, and mom and dad pretty well just encouraged me to uh, – to listen to whatever I wanted to listen to. Um, I did not play an instrument, really, even though my my grandfather got me a guitar when I was like four or five years old. I never learned how to play it. So that was technically my first guitar, but I never really learned how to play it. I'm going to get this off my chest. Okay. I'm just going to sit here, have a drink, and enjoy the concert. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right awesome. <laughs> i had to i had to quickly do a different view of the camera because i didn't want him seeing seeing me uh bobbing t- on the two and the four <laughs> so when you when what's your first singing performance you, you, it seems seem, sounds like you took up the instrument a little later when did you first start singing so from the time i was four until i was eight i uh, performed with uh, a couple local bands as uh, what they we refer to as the youngest touch of Elvis. I was at, I actually had a promoter, a booking agent, a manager, um, and I, I loved Elvis. I think that was probably my first love was Elvis, and not only the music but the performance aspect of it. Um, my mom and my uh, my grandma and my godmother would make the jumpsuits, the costumes. I had I had the costumes and everything. And we right. would go out and play like your your KC Halls, your American Legion, um, things like that. Uh, and and uh, the band would play their typical four hour set or their three sets. And uh, one of those forty five minute sets would be featuring Billy Hurst, Little Elvis, you know, the youngest <laughs> touch of Elvis. And we would do, we would not only do Elvis songs, we'd do Leonard Skinner, Bob right. Seger. With happy birthday to Bob Seger today, seventy-five years happy old. Happy birthday, Bob so- Seger. Bob Seger and Stephen Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, as we said, I do I do some research, and so I had found that you did the uh, the little Billy, the youngest touch of Elvis, and I cannot wait to put up on our podcast a picture of you. I don't know, you you look like you're four or five. As yeah, from the time I was four until eight. I cannot wait for uh, everyone on our, our viewers to, on our podcast uh, page to see this picture of you because it's great. We're going to win this race. My first impression when I saw it, I was like, that's not him. He said, Ross, I mean, that's I really, not him. That's I thought not that him. was like a, I don't know, a CD cover or something that somebody. It's had. actually on, and we'll get to this, but on the, on the inside cover of uh, one of Billy's uh, CDs, his own CD. He has that picture as you open it up, take the CD out. There it is. Am I yes. correct on that, on, Billy? On, on on both of them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is awesome. Show it. Show, oh, you got it. You got to show it. Yeah. Too. Of course, I've got it. <laughs> you can't come uh, not prepared. So. Well, well, we did. <laughs> Say something. What? There you go. There's a little uh, little Elvis. <laughs> I would. I'd like to see you wear one of those jumpsuits again. Would be I awesome. I gotta have a drink. 
lemonade. <laughs> lemonade. Now you're just showing off. Um, nah, that's right. So we're going to kind of skip ahead. So, Kate, we talked about you came from Grafton, Illinois. What, what they call the river rats, the river rat, Grafton river rats, little small town. Uh, and we're just going to skip. You end up going to Nashville, going to Nashville. So tell us a bit. Well, first, tell us about that. How did you get there? How did how that come about? Well, I mean, it, it was a, a, a long road from the, the little Elvis that, that I did, because I only did that from the time I was four until I was eight. Um, and then I wanted to do, you know, regular little kid things, because believe it or not, I had a, having a manager and, and an agent and all that. There were con I, I was contractually obligated to to not play baseball or not ride a bicycle or things like that. They did. They wanted to protect their investment, so to speak. Wow. And um, yeah, it really sucked, man. Looking back on it now, it's like so when I was like nine years old, I said, screw this. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so you stopped as so about as nine years was, old. You stopped. You you stopped yeah, to put totally away the stopped, hair grease and the jump in the in the rhinestone jumpsuit. You put those away. Put them away. Boxed away all okay. the rhinestone jumpsuits and put on a baseball <laughs> uniform and thought that's what I wanted to do with my life was be a baseball player. Uh-huh. What well, was I, I? I wrong. So I, I mean, I just did did regular kid things until uh, until I was um, about eighteen. You know, just went to school. Uh, I mean, I I take that back. I mean, I. I we all, did you guys collect baseball cards or anything, trading cards when you were kids? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. All, uh, yeah. all, all, our, all our brothers so, did baseball, football, basketball. Yeah. So, I, I mean, probably when I was 14, I started, um, I opened up my own baseball card shop with the help of mom and dad, of course. But I had uh, bases loaded baseball card shop in Grafton from now. Uh, bases loaded. Was that, was that before RBI? Uh, baseball came out. Wasn't it called RBI Baseball? RBI bases baseball. Loaded? Yep. Yeah, no, this was before, before. the ba- bases. The RBI was So you first had your own, own card shop. How old are you at that, this point? Four, 14. <laughs> Bus- business license and everything? Yes. Wow. You don't need, you're, in Grafton at that time, you don't need a business Entrepreneur. license. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, exactly. It. Exactly. Yeah, so from the time I was 14 until uh, 18, so I'm thinking the 89 to 93, um, I ran bases loaded. You know, that, that was my passion. That was my hobby. That was my job. Um, I went to school, played baseball and had the card shop, but always, you know, music was kind of in the background. I still always loved music, even though I wasn't performing, but it was not, you know, country music, country music was the furthest thing from my heart back then. I mean, I was into quiet riot, twisted sister, uh, beastie boys, run DMC, Motley Crue, all that stuff. Um, and uh, just, I didn't really get into country music until mom and dad got like their first CD player in like 86 or 87, I think it was. And, and mom and dad were really heavily into country music. And I just, I thought I hated it, you know, until I, I started listening to artists like Randy Travis, Dwight Yoakam, right. Hank Williams Jr., George Strait, you know, because they, they were a little bit different than the country that I had always heard up until that point, you know. Oh, uh, since uh, Ross is liking the uh, serenade, oh. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> I can, I can say, I can bellow you a couple more songs if you want, Ross. He's just, he's just here for the drink to that. He's just, he's just, he's just here for the free show, Billy. Okay, I'm here for the free All show. Right. But... Well, like I said, the uh, the uh, songs that kind of turned me on to country music was stuff like, uh, like I said, Dwight Yoakam. Mm-hmm. 
Girl, you taught me how to hurt real bad. I'm not still sleep. Show me how this town shattered break. Another lesson about a naive fool came to Babylon. Found out that I don't taste so sweet. You know, little guitars, Cadillacs. Or, uh, you know, about some uh, King George, you know. Amarillo by morning, up from San Antonio. Everything that I've got is just what I've got on. You know, that, that, when I first heard George Strait, I was just kind of like blown away. I'm like, this, this is country music, you know. Um, and then... Uh, also, 86, 87, I, I remember uh, first hearing uh, Randy Travis. Operator, please connect oh, me. Randy Travis. When 1982, I need to make apologies for what I didn't do. Yeah, it's all that good stuff that uh, just takes me back to being a kid. But all the while, I, I was just singing. I wasn't really involved in uh, in a band or anything. Billy, real quick, who looks better in their hats, me or Todd? Uh, I'm gonna have to say Todd because I, oh. I hate those stupid looking Toby ah, that, 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 That's what that's what an old married white woman wears at Party Cove, right? <laughs> hey, hey, again, all wardrobe today. <laughs> Was Todd Locks? <laughs> no, hey, no wonder he gave me this hat. You know how you know that Billy's a true professional? It, we, he he goes into a song. We don't tell him. We put the cowboy hats on. He he, he stops and he looks at us. And when we're in the cowboys, he doesn't even mention it. Doesn't, doesn't even mention it. Stride at doesn't all. break stride. Doesn't it? Doesn't even mention. Oh, this is just normal. Normal day for me, dude. I grew up in Grafton, man. That's that's about as normal as it gets. What I'm looking at right now. Uh, I've I've seen a thousand housewives wearing that same hat on the dance floor at uh, the Loading Dock. Normally they're on a bachelorette party. Um. So do you start a band? What's yeah. When you started. Yeah. Good question. Um, so after after the uh, baseball, well, I'm still. Let's put it this way: if the flood had never came through, you know, the, the great flood of '93, if that had never happened, because at the time we were not only living in Main Street or, or on Main Street in Grafton, but our, our business was there. It was a shared property. The uh, baseball card shop was in the front, and our house was up in the back, up top, and down below. And when the flood came through, it not only forced us out of the business, but out of our home. So I stayed with uh, friends and family. Mom and dad uh, stayed with, with uh, other family. Um, and my sister stayed with friends and family all, all that summer and that fall when the flood was up. And uh, so I kind of was bored, just kind of out of sheer boredom. Um, I approached a guy, uh, another local legend, Roger Rents. Uh, he was another Grafton guy who had a band and I approached Roger all along. I had been singing and now I just found this love of country music. And I went up to Roger and I asked him, I'm like, Hey, what do I got to do to get in a band? You know, I, I want to get in a band. I want to start singing. And he's like, son, no country band in their right mind is going to hire you. All you do is sing. <laughs> Nobody's going to split their money a quarter of the ways with a guy who doesn't play an instrument. And I was like, oh, okay. Where was Roger from? He was from Grafton. Okay, sounds like it. 
you you got a little you got a little Grafton accent twang to you, and then you just took it. What you just went a little deeper. You went a little little deeper. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who knows Roger knows that impression is pretty spot on. <laughs> Professionals um, can do that. They right. can go to another level. Gotcha. I see that. <laughs> so uh, you know, I kind of I kind of took that to heart and thought, okay, I'll show you. And so I went out and and got a guitar. My, my first guitar that I learned on was a cheap guitar that a friend had, and uh, sat down with my cousin who had played in a band like in the seventies, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, hey. Let's start a band. <laughs> we, we, we don't have nothing else to do. It's kind of like right now. We're all just sitting around with nothing to do. When, when that flood was going on, we were like, well, let's, let's start a band. Do you know how to play? No, I don't know how to play. You teach me. So he, he sat down with me and taught me my first three chords, D, G, and C, and gave me a Mel Bay book. I'll never forget a Mel Bay book, which is, for those of you that don't know, Mel Bay is kind of like the um, – Facebook for dummies, you know, it's kind of the guitar for dummies books, you know, every um, good boy does find. Is that, is that in there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I went home, I went home and, and taught myself the rest of the chords. And, um, I, I kind of learned, I'm like, I want to learn a song. So the first song I learned was, uh, this one here. I learned it in, in like a week and I picked like the hardest song. One of the songs that has like seven chords in the middle of it. It's like, uh, well, I'm rolling down the road, trying to loosen my load. Got seven women on my mind. A little take it easy. And I'm like, uh, so I come back to visit my friend, my cousin Rami, and I'm like, hey, I learned this song. Let's let's do this. So mm-hmm. we actually, over that fall of 93, we sat there and we hammered out. We used to tape songs on the radio to learn them. I'd, I'd be like, hey, let's learn this one and this one and this one. And over that summer or that fall and winter of 93, going into 94, we put together our first band, which we called Kickback. And we played our, I'll never forget, we played our first gig at my aunt's wedding in spring of 94. Did you get paid? Did you get paid? And how'd you come up with the name? Um, we, came na- back with the na- we came up with the name because there was a picture uh, a real popular picture of Garth Brooks um, from back in the day. And he was leaned back in a chair, all kicked back, like chilling. And I'm like, yeah, look at him all kicked back and chilling, you know, and I'm like, kick back. That's what we'll call our band. <laughs> I, that's a great and story. That's a great story. I, I thought like you were going to say it was because something that Garth Brooks said or a song that Garth Brooks had, but no, you just saw him kicked back. That's awesome. No, it was just all kicked back. And, and that was our logo. We had, uh, it was me in a chair, <laughs> kicked back, trying to do my best Garth Brooks impression. Boy, that's hey, you, you I in was, a chair, you in a chair, kicked back. That's good marketing. Yeah, I was, <laughs> and I was wearing the Mo Betta shirts, you know, um, the hat. I wanted to be Garth Brooks so bad, man. Whenever, Who uh, whenever <laughs> I first got into music, Garth Brooks. It, it, I swear, swear to you, Garth Brooks is the reason that I sing country music to this day. If it weren't for Garth Brooks, because I liked I liked country music before that. I liked George Strait. Mm-hmm. I liked Randy Travis, like I said. But I didn't want to be a country singer until the first time I heard Garth Brooks. Wow. Um, and that was that was uh, a little bit of... Uh, Bring it. This old highway's getting longer. Seems there ain't no end in sight. 
sleep would be best, but I just can't afford to rest. I got a ride in Denver tomorrow night. A little much too young to feel this damn old. Billy, um, this, Billy, this is the only time I'll do this today. Can I get a request? A request? Yeah. Don't, absolutely. don't take the girl. Oh, man. Seriously. Now you're going to put him on the <laughs> Put him on the spot. He, he doesn't know how this works, but he doesn't know. There's, <laughs> hey, hold this against him, not, not against me. Let me see. Johnny's daddy. Taking him fishing when he was eight years old. A little girl came through the front gate, holding a fishing pole. His dad looked down and smiled, said, We can't leave her behind. Son, I know you don't want her to go. Someday you'll change your mind. And Johnny said, Take Jimmy Johnson, take Tommy Thompson, take my best friend. See, I can't. My man, my like dad. a true professional. Well, he is your man. He is your not. <laughs> Researcher, organic. Well, something. So, that what you just heard right there was probably pretty close to how bad it sounded in our first gig in 1994, man. <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, so the band, and I, I know you guys were pretty popular. The kickback was pretty popular, the local scene, right? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we Like I said, we started in April of 94, and we played for, gosh, a couple – 94, 95, 96, probably around three years we, we toured the local scene um, and played all, all the bars, any, any bar that would let us in from Springfield to Collinsville to Calhoun, man. You know, you guys growing up in the county, you're, you're pretty familiar with the county. The county. Um, the, that's okay. right. The, the county. county. The county. How about the county? <laughs> the county. Yeah. The, like, kind of like the Ohio State. That's the exactly county. right. So, uh, excuse me for that. But you guys are very popular with Big Al. You're familiar with Big Al's, right? I am. Ross isn't. I am. Okay. So, Big Al's was um, just kind of at the end of its run whenever we were coming up. But it was still the bar to play in, man. Mm -hmm. Especially over there in in, uh, in the county. Right. And um, they didn't let country bands play in there. So, it, was it was pretty much... You know, rock bands like The Undecided and City Nights and, uh, you know, all, yeah. all those all those bands. And we went in and played a um, a battle of the bands. We were invited to play in a battle of the bands. And I, I kid you not, there was a the first band that, that played was playing stuff like Corrosion of Conformity and Pantera and Megadeth. And there were like, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. And then we had to follow that with our country crap. And then uh, The Undecided followed us uh -huh. and I was, so I always tell that story I was able to open up for the undecided ones and that was pretty cool but the, the moral of that story was from that gig we were allowed to go we, we booked several headlining gigs there at Big Al's and that was one of the funnest places to play back in the day and so I guess we're kind of skipping ahead to how we got to Nashville how's that go so we you're, you're, you're making a tour with the local band like with your local band how, how does it come that you got a place there? 
Well, it all kind of started with uh, me meeting a guy named Jeff Teller, or mm-hmm. as the locals kind of know him, he's kind of a local legend, and he's, he, he refers to himself as Banjo. <laughs> you and, know what? I, I tried to get people to refer to me uh, as Banjo for like a year or so, and it never caught on. But lucky, lucky Jeff well, Teller. I guess he already had the name. He did. Yeah, it, it, his legend was already far beyond what you could have ever uh, achieved oh. to get to. Damn it. Yeah, he he uh, he. He was sitting on the uh, the rock steps in front of Brainerd's in Grafton one day, playing a guitar. I drove, I drove, it was in my truck, and I drove by. And I saw this dude just playing a, an acoustic guitar, and he kind of looked like maybe like a little bit of a homeless dude at the time, but he, he wasn't. I knew, I knew who Banjo was, and so I pulled up there and uh, just kind of listened to him for a bit, and we shot the breeze and um, pulled my guitar out, and we just started playing. And I'd go to his place, or he'd come to my place over the course of the next couple weeks. And we just got to know each other. And then one day, all of a sudden, he plays a song that I wasn't familiar with. You know, he was always playing stuff like Eric Clapton or uh, Bad Company or Foreigner. And uh, one day, he played a song that I'd never heard. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, oh, that's, that's a song I wrote. Oh, wow. And Yeah, he kind of talks like you a little bit. He's got a little bit of that growl to him. <laughs> I, I I was gonna cue the growl, and then I, I have to, I have to listen to that growl all the time. <laughs> well, <you just laughs> so he's like, oh, "That's a song I wrote." It don't don't you have any songs that you've written? And I'm like, "No, I, I'd never written a song. I've just always sang songs that were on the radio." So um, he played me a couple more of his songs, and and I thought, "Man, I, I like that." So we started working together. Um, that's how I learned to write a song. Was around banjo that summer uh this would have been 1995 and uh ended up writing songs just uh just to write songs out of just sheer joy not working towards going to nashville or making a record but um we ended up i got a a phone call one day from somebody telling me that there was a uh, a, a contest one of these like star search uh, you know, big national contest that were, was coming to town, and they were holding auditions. Now, what what was the what was the name of this contest? Did it have a name? What it was, the name? It was yeah, it was called the Star Mania, and and they were based out of Texas, but they were going to hold the national uh, finals in Las Vegas. So they had the local uh, the local level. It was just a little show. You walked into this like uh, big gymnasium or hall, and there were hundreds of people trying out. <laughs> And you just, you get, literally, you get like a 30-second audition in front of these people. And uh, I, I forget, I think I sang Merle Haggard, Mama Tried. Just, oh, nice. just, the, just the chorus, bam, right, right into the right. chorus. No guitar, no nothing. This is just acapella singing. Wow. And um, I get get the uh, green card handed to me, and uh, congratulations, you've advanced to the next round. So I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. Star, well, star, star Mania. The, uh, Star Mania was American Idol before American Idol was, right? Star Mania. Yeah, yeah. It, it pretty, that's pretty much how it worked. Right. Yeah, um, like so we ended up, I passed through that round, then ended up going to the uh, regional finals, which was held at, uh, you guys remember um, a little bit of Texas or In Cahoots oh, in her city? I, yeah, I, I dated a girl that worked at In Cahoots. Damn right you did. <laughs> So that's that's where this was held, and it was—I mean, it was a big deal. A place was sold out; it was packed. And I was there was a, a junior division, a female division, and a male division. And uh, of course, I'm in in the adult male division. And there were probably twenty to thirty guys, if I if I'm 
not mistaken that I were was competing against. And um, this was the time I had never met Charlie Brown. You guys know Charlie Brown, right? I do. Yes. Yes. I do too. So, so I, had, <laughs> I had never met Charlie Brown. Great guy. That great, night. great guy. Talented guy. Great guy. Unbelievable. Um, you know, local local teacher, singer, songwriter, and, a, and an all-around great, great dude. But I didn't know him until that night. Uh, he sang as I was waiting in the wings to go on to sing. He had sang. And I thought, and they said from East Alton, or, or he was from Roxana. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, holy crap, I, how, how did I miss this guy? How did we not know each other? I sang, went up, introduced myself, and we've been friends ever since. Uh, come to find out, also that night, another kid that sang in the junior division was Tommy Carlos. Ah, I know Tommy, too. Ross, you know Tommy? And I don't know Tommy. Okay. <laughs> you don't know Tommy. Okay, well, Tommy is... I do. Uh, he's probably... When when you get right down to the brass tacks of it, he's, he's the most talented of, of any of us. Yeah. Uh, Tommy's really a great don't, dude. And, hey, uh, don't cut your so sh- from that night forward, Tommy, Charlie, and I became pretty good friends. And I ended up winning the... Uh, the regionals and Tommy ended up winning the junior division as well. So, so he and I uh, got to go to, to, uh, I keep wanting to say Nashville, but it was Vegas. Okay. We got wow. to go to Vegas. How, how old are you at this time? We haven't been doing a very good job of keeping your eight where you're so at. This ages. would have been 1996. I would have been, uh, just turned 20. No, this would have been 95. I was 21 years old. 21. And so, uh, 21, so you're going to go to Vegas. You, going moved, to Vegas. Moved on to for, Vegas. For the national finals. And uh, it was myself and Tommy who were actually competing, but Charlie went with us. And uh, we had a blast. I, mean, I can't even tell half the stories that went on. <laughs> hey, you're on the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. You can say what well, this is unedited. This is raw, Billy. You can say it. Yeah, but you got to remember, Tommy was only 14 at the time. Ah, okay. 14 or 15 at the time and charlie and i were old enough to know better uh so we ended up going to the uh the national finals and like i said singing against some of the best singers in the country um and i ended up winning that the the best country male vocalist of 95 and tommy got hosed let me just we could not do it here at the eat live slip pot here at the Eat, Slay, Live podcast, we could not do this without the support of our sponsors. And one of our best sponsors that we have is the Patriot Beard Supply. What's that, Ross? Yes. Ross asked me right before we started doing this, he's like, Todd, how do you get your beard looking so good? He's like, I know it's not just puberty. Is it all the testosterone that's running through your body? Yes, Ross. It is part of that. But I use Patriot Beard Supply to make my beard look like it's been touched by the hand of Zeus himself. And also, you look at my tattoos, you see how good they look? I use Patriot Beard Supplies, uh, their healing balm on all my tattoos. Thank you very much, and check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Welcome back to the Eat Slay Live podcast. And we are the Loxicutioners, and we've been eating lightning and talking thunder with the one and only Billy we kind of cut Billy off a little bit there. Our sponsors were getting a little edgy. They want, they wanted to get their word out. That's how we. we that's why. We, that's why we're story. able to do what we do is with our with our sponsors. You that's know, right. and 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 I I hope our uh, well we now have seven viewers. I hope I hope they understand with our sort of with our bad technolo- technological difficulties today. 
do you think this spray will help me out? I don't know. Maybe just just hose it hose it down with some Patriot Beard Supply uh, spray and see what happens. I've been bud. going strong for a couple of weeks. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> In a couple of years, when you hit puberty, that thing is going to look good. Can't wait. Anyway, Billy hates dog. us, but we're going back to him. Um, so Billy, we left off. You had just uh, you won Star Mania out in Las Vegas, Nevada, which that impresses me right there. Uh, I've been impressed with the whole story. Oh, I hey the 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 Elvis. He couldn't even he couldn't ride a bike. He couldn't play baseball as a kid from four to eight because he was doing these this you know he had this Elvis contract. To he says no, I'm done with that. What's he? Boom! He starts his own business. <laughs> yeah, yes. bases loaded yes. right off the bat. Yeah, that's it's unbelievable. It I wouldn't unbelievable. at 14. I wasn't even thinking about things like that. He did so much. I'm this is uh, right. I'm having a good time with this free uh, this free show so, so far. <laughs> <laughs> and free beer because I bought you the beer. You're getting a free music. So anyway, Ross, if you'd shut up for a little bit, we can get back to our guest. Okay, Billy, you have now won. What? Tell me what you won in Vegas. Did you win a? I bet they. They get your car. They give you ten thousand dollars. How? What did you Contract. win? What did you win in Vegas? No. So, so pretty much. First of all, I want to say I totally understand the uh, the obligations from the sponsors because you know I play. I've played in bars for years enough, so many years. I know I'm actually contractually obligated to uh, do a Leonard Skinner song every hour on the hour. So I got to get this out of the way. <laughs> You gotta get. I was cutting the rug down at a place called the Jungle with a girl named Landaloo. I gotta keep my sponsors happy too. Oh <laughs> yeah. So who sponsors you, Leonard Skinner? They sp- <laughs> <laughs> well, what's no, that about that just, right now? It, it, you play out in bars. You, you, you pretty. If you play a four-hour show, you better by God play four Leonard Skinner songs. I think that's pretty much the bar owner's <laughs> play, mandate. That. What is that from? Play some Skinner, man. <laughs> You know, yeah, and then it also stops the 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 drunks from hollering. Freebird, freebird. Would it hurt you? Do you remember that Jim? K- Would it hurt you to play a little fog hat? <laughs> so, yeah, where we where we left off, um, I think t- myself and Tommy Carlos uh, were in uh, Las Vegas in the national finals of the Star Mania competition, and I was singing against like probably forty of the. What, what you would consider some of the best country singers, some of the best unsigned country singers uh, in the nation. And uh, I think I ended up got, I got to do two or three songs and uh, Tommy was in the juniors division and he just killed it. I mean, he absolutely slayed it. I ended up winning uh, best country male vocalist of the year for 95 and Tommy got hosed. Uh, Tommy should have won. He, he didn't. Should, he he should have beat win. you. Oh no, um, he was younger. Tommy was younger. Yeah. He was in the junior division. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I was kind of all wrapped up in the whole thing, uh, just kind of the moment, caught up in the excitement and didn't really pay much attention. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, come on up. Here's what here's our winner. Uh, We'll be in touch, blah, blah, blah. So, like, we went out, we celebrated, we had a good time. So 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 far, I'm just I've got the title of best country male vocalist uh, of the year for that year, 95. And a, like a week later, I get home and I get a phone call from the dude who puts on this thing. And um, I knew that I, what I had won was a recording contract in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, but what I didn't know was the underlying BS that went into it. So essentially, 
yes, I got to, I want a free trip, free studio time, everything in Nashville. Um, a, a, basically a recording session in Nashville, but I had to record their songs or his songs, songs out of their catalog. So let me get, you win this, you win this, uh, this recording studios, uh, thing in contract in, in Nashville, but you got to play their songs, like the songs they had written. They have like a catalog. What, why, what, <laughs> why? Well, the re the reason is uh, people do this. It's kind of a, kind of a scrupulous little uh, thing. Um, like I said, I had a great experience. I'm not putting down the, the whole experience mm -hmm. or, or Star Mania as a whole because, uh, you know, I got a free trip to Vegas out of it. And my, myself and my girlfriend got to go to Vegas at the time. Who, who was your girlfriend? Was that Tara? You know? Her, was that Tara? Who was your girlfriend? It was Tara, but it was another Tara. Uh, <laughs> Billy loved him some Taras. <laughs> do, you have a tar do, do you have a Tara tattoo? Is that why you went from a Tara to a Is that what I... Okay, we better stop right now because... So <laughs> Kill us both. So, um, it, it, they pretty much, it, it was one of those deals where um, production companies or singer-songwriters that have their own production companies or recording houses, um, they, they'll do this all the time. It's a way of getting their songs recorded with some good vocals and, and a good, basically a good free demo done um, under, under the premise of, hey, here's your recording contract. Well, I was like, no, man, I've, I've got my own songs that, that I want to do. And they're like, okay, well, you can do your own songs if you sign over half of the publishing to us. Like half, and, when you say half the publishing, you mean half the, they own half of your songs, yes. like half the money, yes. half of it. Wow. So for, that was kind of my first adult decision. The first time in my adult life that I had, and mind you, I'm 21 years old, and I wanted to go to Nashville. I want to be a country star more than anything. Right. But I wasn't willing to get up, give up half my songs to Bob out in Texas, you know, if it was Sony Nashville or Capitol Records or something like that, it probably would have been a different story. But I'm like, no, thanks, but no thanks. I'll I'll, I'll just do it on my own. Um, so I just came back home and uh, continued to play the bars. And, and at the time, I was working at Piasoft Photo in downtown Alton, um, just working and, and learning photography. And and so I worked I worked at Piasoft Photo from '94. Into, I think it was January of 94 until I left for Nashville in 97. So photography, and, and I know you got into photography, you do a lot of it now, and we'll touch on that. Is, was photography, like, did you love it? Was that a passion of yours too, or was that yeah, just a way it, to pay the became, bills? it became a passion during the flood of 93. I not only learned, what's crazy is, you know, I, I, I make my living right now. Um, I've made a career and a lifestyle out of music and photography. And both of those things found me in 1993 during the flood of 93 I, I picked up a camera for the first time during the flood of 93 and i picked up a guitar for the first time during the flood of 93 well i hope something really good finds us all during during the rona of 2020 is what i hope <laughs> <laughs> maybe good things are coming to us man <laughs> man i hope so you know what if there if if there is a I can guarantee you if there if there's a, a hungry young kid out there that wants to chase his dreams right now and being cooped up and uh, with dealing with what we're all dealing with, uh, there's going to be some pretty magical stuff come out of it, you know, because we're all just sitting here doing nothing and trying to be as creative as we can with our time. Imagine if somebody's really driven and focused 
right. you know, what they can come up with. That's what me and Todd are doing right now. Yeah, we're look getting, at us. We're, we're dr- getting our podcast <laughs> going during the Corona <laughs> shutdown of 2020. He's talking about us. Speaking I of being it. shut down, I think we're going to be shut down soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. You know, I, I listen to you guys' podcast. And I'm no, not just, oh, Billy, As soon stop. as everybody I'm goes back to work, it. we're shut down. <laughs> so I seven listeners to, podcast, to two. I always wondered why we couldn't see the podcast now we can you know you watch joe rogan you watch howard stern it's one thing to listen to those guys but it's something else to see those guys something else to see me yes i don't know so. Anyway, so, all right, back to Billy Ross. Get off of you for a second. I, I know you want to bring out your basketball career again, but we're going to keep this to focus on Billy today, okay? okay. All right, can we do okay. that? So, so, you know, I went back uh, after the whole Starmania thing. Um, I went back to working at Piasaw Photo and playing uh, gigs with my band. Um, so, yeah, I ended up picking up a camera in the during the flood of 93, uh, just to document what was going on in our little town. I mean, the, the town was ravaged by, by this flood. And so many of our family, friends, and people that I had grown up with and known all my life were displaced and their homes were gone. Um, and I just thought I wanted to capture it just to have it. So, But I'm so glad I did because now, looking back now, as you guys know, Grafton has changed. It's a completely different town, and that flood pretty much had a lot to do with it. Any of your... Um your photos get published in any magazines or anything? Yeah. Uh, so after I, after I started taking the uh, pictures of the flood, um, I was naturally, being a music fan, naturally attracted to taking my camera to concerts back in the day when they would let you take your camera in to a concert. <laughs> I mean, I, I would always have great tickets. I've always been one of those guys that if I'm going to go to a show, I, I used to be able to camp out. Remember when we used to camp out for tickets and uh, before the whole line ticket lottery and all that stuff? You, if you wanted good seats, you just camped out at a famous bar and you got your seats. You got and, the best and that, seats. And, and that was the awesome part about it back then. Cause, and I I'd sound like this old white dude, but like the real fans were there because you had to work to get those, those seats. You had to, you're, you said you went and stood in line and actually walked up to someone and bought them at the mall, you know, Man, absolutely. And, and you know, you, yourself and your friend would, would, would spend the night. You would get there at like 11 <laughs> o'clock on Friday night. And you'd have your 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 beer, or your Taco Bell, or your sodas, or whatever it was, and you'd kind of all your just kind house. of chill, and you got to know each other. You know, you got to know each other that night. And by the time ten o'clock, when those tickets went on sale, you were all friends. You know, and there was and it was always the same dudes hanging out. You know, waiting for the tickets to go on sale. <laughs> so, the, but you know, so, I ended so up going. Put- I took my camera to a couple shows and started taking concert photography. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Ross, to answer your question. Um, when I got involved with concert photography, I found uh, through one of the um, photography books that I bought, um, it was one of the business of photography books, there was uh, a contact information for various different publishing houses. And uh, one of those publishing houses that actually accepted my work was uh, Rex USA. There were a division of Retina. And basically, they took your photos and they put them in their archive and they shot them to people. And they would take a percentage of the sale. But they were doing the majority of the work. I would take the photo. They would get it put in the magazine. And uh, my first check was uh, actually my very first published photo was a picture of Reba McIntyre in In Style magazine. Oh, and wow. I wish my I wish my first check had been like, you know, three, four, five, ten bucks. 
So I would have framed it and hung it up on the wall. <laughs> but it was significantly more than that. And I was 21 years old, man. That bought a lot of beer that summer. So I cashed <laughs> that first check. <laughs> so the first picture you got published, like you made like a substantial amount for you. That's that, that like, at least at that age, like the fir- very first one that like anyone had really seen you, you got a nice, yeah. wow. That's all. And Reba McIntyre in, in, in style magazine, in style magazine still around, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a pretty big deal, man. Uh, wow. to get that check. And I mean, it had a couple zeros behind it and I was like, that's pretty nice. Um, <laughs> To, to do that. And then I had, uh, from there, I ended up getting uh, six or seven in uh, Hank Williams Jr.'s tour book and uh, some country, various different country music magazines at, of the time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it, man. But but I never thought photography could be a career because at this point, I'm focused. I'm hell-bent on being a country star. So no one was paying you to go take these pictures, really. You were, you bought your, you bought your ticket to go to the show because you wanted to go to the show you took your camera you took pictures and then you would just like try to sell them or just try to uh, put them out there and some someone would pick them up yeah at first that's exactly how it wow. went i would i would buy buy concert tickets or tickets to the show and take my camera shoot the show but after i got published and got on with uh, retina <clears throat> rex usa uh, they they would get me passes they they, they would work towards getting me passes so i would pick out a lot of a lot of shows that i really maybe wouldn't have paid for tickets to go see mm-hmm. but i would get passes to work ah, so they were working passes he's a hustler you start so you kind of got a reputation in the business and then they would get you passes to go huh that's awesome. exactly exactly that is awesome um, you know, you but could- yeah i mean i i did that for probably four years uh-huh. 94 to 97 um, and, and during and that, that time, time, I ended up uh, shooting. I wasn't just shooting the big shows. You know, I was shooting local shows. Uh, you remember the, the fireworks on the Mississippi they used to have every year around Fourth of July. Um, I would shoot those for the local paper. Um, and I, that's when I actually first saw uh, one of the, the local bands, uh, The Undecided. These guys were great, man. And, and so I shot them, got to know those guys and hang out with those guys um, after shooting their band four or five different times uh just we, we hit it off immediately and i thought you know what with this whole thing going the way it did with the star mania me really winning but not winning you know that's kind of how i felt um i thought you know if i'm gonna go to nashville and make a run at this i'm gonna need my demos so at the time i i had probably four, 30 or 40 songs already written but i wouldn't say none of them were like Freebird or you know, Stairway to Heaven, they're just a guy writing his first songs, you know. Right. 30, so 30, 30 or 40 songs you had written, your originals. That's what you had? Correct. Yes, uh, yeah, I got 30 you. or 40 originals uh, that I had written or co-written with uh, Banjo um, or, or another friend. And uh, Banjo and my friend Chris, we Chris would come in and write occasionally. I think he had three songs, three co-writes on the, on the first record, which we had 12 songs on the first record. But I got to know Paul and Donnie, and I'm like, the light went off. Um, you know, Paul and Donnie from The Undecided. I'm like, Donnie Sandage has a studio. So why don't I take my little guitar vocal that I had recorded into a little, just a little boom box mm-hmm. uh, and, and give it to Donnie and see what he says. So I did that. I gave it to Donnie. I went over to his, his garage studio and he was like, oh, dude, dude, we got to get Paul over here and record these demos for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so... We ended up uh, 
probably over the course of a couple of days uh, with myself and Donnie Sandage and Paul Steinbrook, we recorded the demos to what would ultimately be Small Town Fool. Let's go. Now, so, now, small, uh, now to tell the, the our seven listeners, Small Town Fool, that was your first album. That was the first yes, album you put out. Yes. That was the first album. Uh, so this is what this is one of the songs that uh, we actually did there. He's a small town fool. He thinks he's too cool. Sitting on that old bar stool, acting like a damn old fool. He's drinking his life away. Lord, every night and day, no he don't play by the rules. He's a small town food so that was the title <laughs> i love there. that i love it and uh, but the one that, that donnie was the most excited about from that little cassette tape that i gave him uh he, he i literally i'll never forget it till the day i die he got on the phone was like dude dude you got to get over here and you gotta you gotta play guitar on these these uh demos man put bring your piano and bring your guitar we're, we're gonna knock this out he's got this one song that sounds just like ario speedwagon dude and I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny. The song he was referring to there is called In My Dreams. It goes like this. Well, I can't love you in my dreams. Holding your body close to mine. It's not as sad as it may seem. I can love you time after time I'll always love you in my dreams And you'll always feel so fine I'll always love you in my dreams With all my heart Till the end of time. So that was kind of the one that got uh, got a, got Donnie fired up and got Paul over there. I'm fired up. Off. Yeah, we ended up uh, recording all those demos over in Donnie's uh, Donnie's basement. That would eventually lead in to his basement. <laughs> That's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> so how how old are you right now? When you guys I am 46. Not now. No, not now. Don't tell the story. Holy crap, you're old. Not, not now. Well, you said right now. You said right now. <laughs> in the story. Right now in the story. When you're when you're at Donnie's in the basement. So I would have been uh, I would have been 22 at this you're time. 22. Okay. Uh, so this this is the summer of 1996. I was 22, and we were recording. Uh, it actually wasn't the basement. It was it was a garage, but it is. Little details, right? <laughs> so it's it's a garage, garage studio. So you're putting um, all, so you're starting to record. You're starting to put all these all these demos together, and you do that from about the age of 21 to 25. Is that correct? No, no, absolutely not. We we did it over the course of just a, a summer. We put these oh, wow. demos together. Okay. Uh, so by the time I was this was 90 the summer of 96. Um, we had all those recorded, and uh, it started out with just four songs, the first four-song demo tape, and I sent that to Nashville. Charlie had already been, Charlie Brown, who we talked about earlier, had already been to Nashville and worked with a producer and a, and a studio, so I got the information from Charlie for his producer and his studio, and I sent my tape, and 
I never heard anything back. And I'm like, man, I, I can't believe I'm not hearing anything I back. I know I'm good. Guys. I'm so <laughs> good. I'm on Starmania. <laughs> right. And so, you know, after, after a few weeks, I'm like, man, what's going on? And, uh, of course, this is back before we could just get on the phone and, and uh, voice chat or, you know, video chat or email or the Internet was just just really starting. Are you checking your, you're checking your answering machine? You're checking, you're checking your mailbox each day? And, and the facts. Yeah, checking it all. And um, I finally end up getting, getting uh, a call, but it wasn't from the guy who I sent it to. It was from his partner. So uh, Danny Bailey is the guy who produced Charlie's record at the tracking station in Nashville, which is in the United Artist Tower, which is a historic uh, recording studio, uh, a building right on Music Row. Uh, but I get a call back from Danny's partner, Michael Webb, and he's like, hey, Danny's tied up. He's got a bunch of projects. Um, I'll be honest with you. He hasn't even listened to your stuff, but I listened to it and I loved it. Uh, I would love to work with you. And I'm like, man, I don't even know this dude, you know, but he sold me on the conversation that we had. Um, he had a kind of a rock and roll attitude about him and he was excited about the project and about the music. So I thought, you know what, let's, let's give him a shot. And mom and dad ended up, uh, my dad worked uh, at the dome railway service, uh, right, right by pride. Dunderdome. Yes, the Don Railway Service for years, and he had stock in Anheuser-Busch. And so he ended up uh, cashing in some of his stock to pay for me to go down, pay for the studio time. Wow. We did it all they, on our they, own dime. They, they you know, believed, even though I, they, they even believed, though I had they obviously somebody, believed in you, huh? They must have really believed in you. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. of course, and they're your parents as well. You know, they, they were there. I had great parents, man. They, they, mm -hmm. uh, I still have great parents, but they're, um, they're willing to put all that on the line, and especially when I had a free ride already and I turned it down. But I wasn't going to give away my songs right. or half of my songs. And you know what? They respected that. They believed in it. So they fronted the, the first project, uh, which we went down and we recorded. Um, you know, there's, there's, it's a pretty expensive ordeal to go in when you think about it. Not just studio time, but an engineer, a producer, all the session players, all the mixing, and then the mastering. And then the production of the of the product, you know, so we ended up getting like twenty five hundred CDs made uh, after that was all done and recorded. Uh, and we got ready for this big release party in March of ninety seven. And we had that we held that up at Pierre Marquette up at the lodge. Mm -hmm. And Billy Greenwood was kind of our MC uh, from the radio station at the time. And uh, we packed the place. It was unbelievable. We ended up selling. <laughs> almost selling through that first box of 2500 wow. that 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 first night that's awesome. yeah it, it was it was amazing so mom and dad got their investment back pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> that made them happy so then what we've done that we've sold the cds and the, the next step was was to move to nashville uh that was pretty much the next step so um we played that summer. We, we stayed around and, and all the while getting ready, making plans. Uh, myself and Tara, my current Tara, my wife Tara, thanks for, uh, who thank I've been you with for, now for thank, 22 years. Thank you for very clarifying that. The old Tara's <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this uh, is my, my, my wife Tara. Um, we knew really nobody outside of Michael Webb, who, who was my producer on the first record. Uh, we had no jobs. 
we, we had nothing to go down there to, but um, we had a, a, a dream and, and a vision and we found a little one bedroom apartment uh-huh. and we went down there and, you know, within a week we both had jobs. Um, I was working again, doing photography and Tara was waitressing at night and working at a, at a mortgage company during the day. And uh, I look back now and think, man, how did we ever make it? I mean, we start, we not only went down there chasing the dream, but we started our family down there. We got married. We, we start, started our family, had kids, bought our, our first house. And I'm like, man, we were both living on, you know, just, just peanuts, really. <laughs> yeah. And how did we ever do it? But we, we did it. We made, we made it work. That's it. Now, uh, now, when did you get married before you went or while you were down there? We got married after. So we went down and uh, we were engaged at the time and we ended up getting married the May of 1998. So we moved down the fall of 97 and then came back home and got married uh, in May of 98. Uh, May 9th, actually, this coming Saturday, be 22 years. So, wow. Yeah. Happy, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we ended up uh, starting basically just like I said, starting our life down there. Um, I, I would work during the day, play play gigs at night. Um, but and we were down there for eight and a half years. I think we came home in in two thousand five. How, how hard is it down there at Nashville with so many other artists? How hard is it to get a gig at night at local bars or, or whatever it may be? Great question, Ross. It, it's uh, Nashville is a town that will chew you up and spit you out real quick. I don't care how good you are, because the the fact of the matter is, everybody down there is good. There there's a handful that are great that are going to get to go to the next level, and even those a handful of them that are great don't always get those opportunities. It's just about the right place, right time, having the right opportunity, and then taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, you know, as far as singing and playing at night. It's not hard to get a gig. It's very hard to get a paying gig. Oh, okay. It's, I think, and I, and just from the few times I've been down there, wait, I don't know if it was like that uh, back then, but like they kind of work on tips, don't they? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, pretty much. That some of some of your upper echelon guys that have been doing it for years that are playing those hot hot spots on uh, weekend nights are getting money, but nothing like I would get here playing at a bar on a weekend. Right, and then. They're making their money on tips, but and I think I th- you got to be good, obviously. But I think some of them, like what we kind of found out, is like some of them are just good with sort of knowing how to manipulate people to promoting give tips, themselves. Yeah, <laughs> promoting yes, themselves, yeah. being like getting the crowd involved to get tips is what we kind of saw, which is yeah, yeah, different than just having yeah, talent. Absolutely, that that's what it takes. You have to have a certain gift of gab uh, to maximize your efforts. You, you got to be an okay singer to get in, but if you want to make it or make some money and make a living doing it, you got to be a very, you got to have a great personality, even better than your voice. Right. <laughs> so are you doing any photography down there? How's that? What, what, what's going on with that? You still, you still with that passion? Yeah. So during the day, that's what I did. I, oh. I worked at, uh, well, I, I, I kind of went back and forth. I, you know, I had the baseball card shop here, bases loaded when I was, 14 till 18. So I found uh, the first thing I did, I knew I could get a a job at a photography place. So that's the first thing I did was got a job at a a photo studio, just like I was doing here uh, at Piasaw Photo. So I started working at a a photo lab down there. um, And I ended up kind of getting a job with uh, 
since I was working in the lab, we developed photos for one of the small local papers, and the uh, Titans came to town, which they weren't the Titans then. They're, they're the Titans now. They were the uh, Oilers. The Houston Oilers moved to Tennessee. And, <laughs> and they first uh, ended up taking up, uh, taking up residence in Vanderbilt in 1998. And they were the Tennessee Oilers. And nobody wanted to shoot them. So we, the guy from the paper said, hey, do you want to shoot the, uh, the Oilers? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> so that was my very first dipping my toe, getting wet in sports photography was uh, when the Oilers came to town, that, that, that uh, 1998 season. Steve McNair, rest I mean, in peace. That, that, that's your first, that's getting to sports photography, his, his first job was basically with the uh, Houston Oilers, Nash, or the, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> pretty good and, gig. And, and pretty quickly they, they turned it, they, were, they, became, they became contenders with Steve McNair, Eddie George at linebacker, played the Rams, you know, your hometown kind of team. So that, that was exciting. I mean, you got yeah, to see they, the, even though ball. even though the Rams were my were my hometown team, I was I was the furthest thing from a Rams fan because you know you got to remember I, I left town as they were just coming in, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I didn't have that uh, that groundwork was never laid for me. I was always just kind of a we never had a team. We had the Cardinals back when I was little, mm-hmm. but you know we never really had a team. So I always switched from whoever was the, the front runners, you know, the Miami Dolphins, the 49ers, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I never had a real team. So that's that's why I'm such a, a diehard Tennessee Titans fan now is because I was there on the front end of it and got to be around those guys. Like you said, Steve McNair, Eddie George, Kevin Dyson, uh, all those guys, Bruce Matthews, you're talking Hall of Famers. And, and um, that was where I first started. I wish – Wish I could have looked into the future and seen where it was going to lead me, but at that point, I'm just I'm just taking a paycheck from a, a <laughs> right? local newspaper. You know, yeah. I just I, I knew nothing. I did I had no clue what I was doing. I knew I could make an image, but I did not. I wasn't a sports photographer. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so you're down there eight and a half years, right? Eight and a half years, um, and just basically playing music on nights and uh, working working in the in the photo lab or the the sports card shop whenever I could you know I, I, that, that's what I did pretty much the whole time I was there yeah so when did you came back after eight and a half years why did you come back what did you what, what, did you put out an album while you were there in the eight years yeah I actually put out put out two the small town fool actually was put out while we were here but we I mean, just literally just a couple months while we were here. Yeah. We pretty much promoted that album for two or three years okay. while I was working on the next record, Even the Wind, um, and actually shopping deals all across town. I uh, had various different publishing deals you know, come up and fall through, various different developmental deals, which uh, a developmental deal is uh, like a record deal, but they, they basically are just signing you to see as a, as a, it's a promissory note, you know, like like a promise ring that a guy would give to a girl. That's kind of what a developmental deal. I, is I've never, a, I've never art. given a girl one of those, so I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about. But <laughs> sound, it sounds, yeah, well, it sounds doesn't scary. always work out. Todd. It, it sounds very it scary way. to me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, I did that. I recorded a, a. In the meantime, I recorded my second record, Even the Wind, which came out in 2001, um, and it. it kind of just had moderate success compared to what small town fool did you know we kind of we kind of glazed over i mean small town fool we sold over five thousand copies of that first record which in most people when they start thinking of of numbers five thousand copies is nothing but five thousand copies for a, a very small independent guy 
in this little bit of a town, that's a ton. Yeah. And you know, it's funny as one time Ross, cause I, I, I collect records, not like Billy collects records. I just see a cool one and I, and I buy it in a goodwill or whatever, but I was at a uh, used record store. There's one in Edwardsville and I was going through and there it was small town fool you right there. Uh, I did not buy it. No oh, support, <laughs> but, but yeah, I did. Yeah, he, he didn't buy it. He didn't buy it. There, <laughs> hey, there it is. Right there. there it is. Small town fool. Bring hold. Can you hold it back up, Billy? And talk. Hold, it, hold it back up. Hold it back up. Hold it back up. Yeah. There, there it is. There it is. But I did pick it up, and I and I sent a picture to Billy of me holding it. <laughs> But it had a, it had a, that almost count. I don't know if you, but it had a little like a sticker on the front of it. It was kind of handwritten and I can't, it said some, I can't, something about local legend or something like that. It was kind of, and I said, yeah, like, local yeah, legend. I'm, I, I'm friends with, friends with the guy, Colin, that owns the, the store that we're talking about, Trusty, Trusty Cords Record Shop in Edwardsville. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he's uh, got a great sense of humor and he, he did. He put something it, like, it was funny. Uh, local legend. Uh, uh, so, I don't know. It, it said, it, so, it, it, said it was kind of in Graf, Grafton speak or something. Now you're like Bellerin, Bellerin, your favorite <laughs> country hits. So, it was, it was, it was awesome the way the way he put yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I did. I, I recorded another album in uh, 2001 uh, called Even the Wind, and it, like I said, it was just met with moderate success. I, I'm very proud of it. I think it's a a really good record. Um, but at by that time. Uh, you know, you asked kind of what kind of happened, what led to coming back here. Well, I recorded that in, in 01. The, the deals weren't happening. At the time, Nashville, I think it was kind of the right place, wrong time kind of thing. Nashville was, uh, the, the females were dominating the radio airplay at the time. You know, your Martina McBride, Faith Hill, Jody Messina, uh, Shania Twain. They were. It, this was long before really Big and Rich and Montgomery Gentry and all that stuff really came about. So, if, I think if I'd have been there maybe five or eight years later, it might have been a different story. But you know, I have no regrets. And when I'm when I'm old and decrepit, I will at least be able to say oh, I old, gave it gave it the old college try. Older and decrepit, more decrepit. Is that, is that what <laughs> right. you meant to say? <laughs> That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so then we uh, at that point we get back. You like you, you pack it up. You coming back to San? And at this point, you have two kids, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, we had two young kids, uh, both under five at the time. Wow. Uh, Will was probably five, Anna was four or, or three, um, and we ended up coming back. Will would have been six, and Anna was four. Um, but detail, minor details, right? We uh, we get home, and uh, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, Tara had obviously found a job, and my my buddy who I went to high school with. Uh, had been working right since he got out of high school, so he was already a good 12, 15 years in uh, working at a scaffold, a local scaffold company as, as a union laborer putting up scaffold. And he's like, hey, we got a big job getting ready to start. If you think this is something you might be able to handle, I think I can make it work for you. And I'm is like, it, man, I, I, re I, re I really need work. So, you know. Is he like, hey, music man, if you want to throw that guitar down and uh... – learn how to make a real living around here. I got some work for you. Is it something like that? Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> he, uh, but, but he also knew that, you know, he was putting his, his name and reputation on the line too, bringing me, bringing me on. Um, and I would have never in a million years, guys thought that that was a job that would have been so rewarding and that I would have loved 
the way I did. I mean, working with my hand at this time, you guys, I, you guys heard my story here over the last that's ever so long. I wasn't really working with my hands type of guy, you know, if you know what I'm saying. So I, but there was something that I loved about it, going out there every day, uh, hanging out with the crew, uh, putting up scaffold, and actually feeling like you accomplished something at the end of the day, and coming home with a pretty decent paycheck at the end of the week. Right. I did that for uh, about five or six years. And then still while probably playing the local yeah, you're still doing bar the- scene and all that? Music-wise. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I never stopped playing music. It, it's just always, you, you know, playing, you know, local bars and things like that. Never playing big shows anymore. Those those days were, were long gone, or so I thought. Um, you know, we, we had a couple in the in the last couple years, but um, yeah, pretty much just playing the bars and, and you know, putting up scaffolding. Um, and that all kind of came to a, a halt when the uh, the housing market crashed, you know, when, when the recession hit us. And um, I went from working every day to only working like a couple days a week. And it's like, man, I, I can't make it on it on a couple days a week. So um, I sat down, had a heart to heart with Tara. And we uh, we basically said uh, we, we, we came to the agreement that we're going to we're going to cash in what we've got and put everything into my photography. Um, I think I could make photography a, a career. Right. And that was in uh, 2010. So we're, we're going to start a photography business. Here we go. We're in. Scaffolding's done. We're out. We're, we're starting a photography business. And uh, what was it? What what'd you call it? And I, I know you still do it, and I know the name of it. but Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's called Front Row Photo. And the reason it, I have always uh, referred to my photography or my photography uh, company as Front Row Photo, even before we started this business, back when I was doing uh, concert photography, Hence, front row. So, right. front row photo uh, came out of that, but it also worked and tied in great with what we were going to do. So, uh, my photography business, or our photography business, because my wife is involved as well, um, was basically going going to revolve around youth sports photography, from the little league level all the way up to the high school level. Now, through photography, that's kind of how you and I met is right. And, and, and we kind of talked about this story when I, when I'm going to bring in a podcast and you didn't really remember it, but kind of didn't, didn't know that that's how we met. So Billy, we have to uh, take another break to uh, another word from our sponsors, the people that pay our bills here at the eat, slay, live podcast. So we will be uh, right back with you folks here at the eat, slay, live podcast. We love our sponsors that we have. And last time on our podcast, you heard, uh, American hero, Dave Galanti. He's the owner of the Galanti Law Firm in East Alton, Illinois. Uh, if you have any kind of workers' comp, even though half of you aren't working during the Rona, if you, any of you have any personal injuries, any workman's comp, see him, okay? Before you go anywhere else, go in, talk to Dave. You heard about what what he what he stands for, what he's about. You heard his story. He's a great guy. Uh, go see him first. Maybe you don't hire him, but go see him first. He's a goddamn hero, and we want to support his business. Okay? Thank you. Welcome back to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Executioners, and we have been eating lightning and talking thunder with Billy Hurst for the past, I don't know, what eight or nine hours now. And we're not... Something and we're like gonna, that. 
And we're going to keep rolling because I love this story, Ross. I love this story. This is a, this is a good one. So we were before we went to break, uh, we were talking about how Billy and I met. And it was kind of through his photography business. Uh, he he's, you know, does a lot of uh, local team photo. You can, you can be on a local team around here, little league, little, you know, football, peewee football, whatever. Billy Hurst, who's the, we haven't got to this yet, but the official photographer of the St. Louis Cardinals, the uh, St. Louis Blues, he can come and will take your school, like your team picture. I, uh, okay. when I, when I was up in Beardstown coaching, um, I saw Alton Market's football team came out with this, uh, the schedule. A banner. Had, he calls it a banner. banner yeah. Had, you know, they had all the players and, and a lightning bolts in the background, the uh, schedule underneath of it. I called the coach. I'm like, what is this? I, 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 I want to know where you got this from. You know, it was awesome. So and that was in probably like 2009 or 10. So, so I mean, that's how first kind of how time. Billy and I met. So, uh, he did the one for uh, Marquette football, the Marquette Explorers and our, our friend, R.I.P. Nelly Bo. Timmy Nell. Nelly Strong. Uh, he was the coach. And Billy took, you know, did that banner like you saw. Picture with all the seniors and Nelson. And and we're not going to get into it. Billy has a great story about uh, Nelson gave him some instructions. He said, he's like, Hurst, make it look badass. And then Billy, <laughs> and then and Nelson starts tur- t- walking away and he turns back and he goes, badass, Billy, badass. <laughs> And so, anyway, I was doing the strength and conditioning for uh, for them at the time, and Nelson gave me one of those pictures. Yeah. Okay, S- still in the OG today, still hanging in the garage, the OG pride today. And so, uh, a couple of years later, I started training the uh, Alton High baseball team. Okay, and so they got one of those done, and I contacted Billy through Facebook, and I'm like. Hey, uh, this is who I am, blah, 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 blah. I think we might have even been Facebook friends at the time. Hey, this is who I am. I, I have one of your old bands. You know, I'd like to get another one because I'm training these guys. It'd be great to hang up down at the Thunderdome. And so, but like, okay, I'll get you on. And we never really, like, discussed how or why or, or you know, cost or anything. And then one day I was I was running a session uh, down at the Thunderdome. And, like, I see this guy walk in. And it was Billy. And he kind of gives, and he kind of walks in, looks around, and kind of gives me a little wave, and just sets one of those banners for the Alton High baseball team down on my desk. Gives me a little wave because I'm in the middle of session, I can't get over there, and just and just leaves, just wow. drops it off. <laughs> and so, uh, I don't know how. And you long, guys like, hadn't really talked face no, to face. No, that was it. Face to face and okay. so I then saw him at an Alton High baseball game. The guys, the kids I trained, and he was there. I can't. I'm assuming you're there taking pictures. And I just went to, hey, man, because I thought, what a great gesture that was. I went to a sugar's hand, hey, Absolutely. thanks, man, that was awesome, blah, 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 blah. And that was, that was sort of the end of it. And we have a long history of going to concerts together and me training him and, you him know. talking to buy in great shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, through his photography business, I mean, that that's how him and I met, so. And and just yeah. like, we we have been to what concert we've been to Guns and Roses together we've been to uh, the Atomic Cowboy we saw Whitey Morgan and and uh, Ward Davis uh, we've been we were at Red Rocks see Cody Jinks we did not run into each other we talked and tried to oh no we did yes we did well we so, did yes the we day worked, before we worked out together not yeah at, not at the show but we worked out on running the uh, the stairs it's there. probably a good thing for you Bill you didn't run into Todd at that concert <laughs> well that's another story that's <laughs> that is another story so yeah 
Uh, Cody Jinks. We, we, we were at Cody Jinks together. Yeah. Uh, various different two or three different times, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and we were Billy. Wait, hold up. You guys have been at Cody Jinks two or three times. Multiple times. How many times have you seen Cody Jinks? <laughs> I have a slight obsession, okay? I, okay, I have a slight obsession, all right? All right? Have you seen his Billy, beard? it's okay for you to be there. I don't know. You might be taking pictures. How many times you got to go see a guy? Well, one? I'm slightly obsessed, bud. <laughs> but yeah, that's I, it. I will admit, I was only taking pictures one time out of the three. Yeah, but you're or, a professional musician, singer, blah, blah, blah. But Todd's just a fanboy. He's a, he's a professional fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> really good at But anyway, the, and actually, at one of the shows we were at, Billy was uh, shooting it at, uh, where was that at? In St. Louis? At uh, the Fox. At the Fox. Billy shot it, and he took this incredible uh, picture of Cody Jinx this, and and gave me a copy. I mean, it's, I thought it's you were not life-size, but it's I, almost. I thought you were going to say incredible picture of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take, yeah, that's a different. You know what I've always, through through the years, I've always tried to get Billy to take my picture all these years in one time, one time, and I kind of forced his hand at it and at one time, and it's my cover photo on my, on my, my Facebook. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's why yeah, yeah. the world knows now. All right. Yes. Enough yes. about Todd. But anyway, that's how we met. We met through our friend, uh, Tim Nelson, who was a ju- he was, he loved Billy as a photographer. He loved to talk sports with Billy and he, he loved, he was probably, you say I'm your number one fan. He was probably your number one, uh, yeah. fan as far as music went. Yeah. He, he said it, it, it was almost too, he said it enough that it was almost at the, that embarrassing level, you know, <laughs> he to, proclaimed it. He proclaimed it. If and, you knew Nelly, that was that was Nelly, you know. Yeah, and he and talked he about my basketball cool. game like that. So, <laughs> well, I, I, he, I know where you're coming. Winners from. win, locks. Winners <laughs> line. That, that's winners just what win. he did with it. And we we could make a whole show oh, about yeah. it. But Nelson has also performed at. Uh, <laughs> in in nashville as well <laughs> i remember seeing him on stage doing your boy garth brooks <laughs> yeah i got that video was was great you know when you guys all went down to to nashville and number one when he when he did the the billy jean uh, walk was was fantastic but to see him uh you know up on stage singing you know uh i got Oh, Billy. trying to get all weird but he did that he did that song on stage in nashville uh one month before he passed away one month that's, yeah that's, and you know he had to have been we can't even explain no. what he was going through what he was how he was feeling he, but to watch the video he knew he was gonna he, he wasn't gonna let everybody down it was, nelly was never gonna let people down exactly you know? exactly like you said we could talk about nelly forever yeah, man we could this, this Love is your, it, dude. this is yeah, me too. This is your day, Billy Billy Hurst. This is your day. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you you talked about um, that's how we met. 
you know, yeah. through through Nelly. Nelly was the first guy. You know, Tara and I started Front Row Photo as it is now in 2010, the fall of 2010. We started uh, basically focusing on youth sports, um, you know, from peewee, t-ball, little league, all the way up to high school. That's pretty much that, – that was our focus. Um, and then we got into senior photography not too long after that. But Nelly was the first guy to give me an opportunity, and he saw – saw where I was going with it and and he saw my vision and he actually believed in it. That, d- dude, that gives me goosebumps. That that, get, that gives me goosebumps because I mean, he gave me my start with training high school athletes. You know what I'm saying? First to coach to really believe. Uh, anyway. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean there was something definitely you guys know. You knew you knew Nelly way longer than I did, but there was something special, extra special yeah. about Nelly. Yeah. And he believed in me like nobody else and gave me that opportunity and he saw we shared that same vision. He he put everything he had, his heart, soul, passion into that football team and I he saw that I did the same with my business. That's that's crazy. You guys all have a story about Nelly cuz when I graduated college and I was looking to pursue teaching and coaching um, basketball. When the job came open, he knew the head football coach at Beardstown. Mm-hmm. He called that guy, Aaron <laughs> Elmore, who went into the office to say, hey, you know, put his name out there for me. And I mean, it all came down to Nelly yeah. and the connection. Yeah. That, that's amazing. And so, you know, long story short, or long story long, because I don't have any short stories. <laughs> we've we've but, noticed. Thanks, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Nelly, we, we ended up making that that poster, the, the schedule poster that you guys talk about, um, and that started it all. I mean, we started we, from there. We we started doing our senior banners that we still do to this day, um, and uh, you know, we got to work with the Alton baseball program, like like you mentioned, uh, and, and various other different schools. You know, the Edwardsville Tigers, the uh, Jerseyville Panthers. So many schools wanted they. And it all started from that little poster that Nellie and I came up with. Awesome. Um, it, it was just, it was amazing. Uh, and then I, from there, I started working with uh, the Telegraph, you know, the local paper. Uh, and that's where I got to know um, James Critter Ritter. Cr- Cr- Critter Ritter, he, he's a Thunderdome goer. <laughs> yes, he is. That, that, that's, a, uh, that's a guy who, who will run 13 miles on a Saturday morning and then come and do circuit. <laughs> well, everybody's dying just doing circuit. He's already ran 13 miles. Guy's an animal. Dude's, dude's insane. And not only a phenomenal uh, dude, but a great sports photographer as well. And that's he, he and I shared that same passion. So he and I were pretty much the go-to guys um, after Margie stepped down and, and uh, uh, Jim had stepped down. It was James and I pretty much running the, the show with the sports photography for years. He And actually – James Critter Ritter did a, there was like a little photo shoot of me and Matt Hughes one time down at the hit squad and, and Ritter, yeah. And Ritter shot that. It looked nice. Hey, your boy Critter Ritter made you look good. Made me look good. (laughs) He made me look real good. (laughs) You had, you had no control over what was going on right there, but that one little snap made you look good. took a little snapshot where it, almost looked like I could have some sort of advantage <laughs> instead of just getting, let's just let the world know you did not. <laughs> they know. They know. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's what we do. That's what good sports photographers do. You got to make people look 
better than they really and are. He, <laughs> he nailed it. Nailed is, it, it. <laughs> is there some sort of uh, is there some sort of award or something I could uh, I could nominate him for because he nailed it. <laughs> so you know, I knew going into it that what I wanted to do was make kids at whatever level they're at, whether it's little league or high school, their photos should look as good as what they see in Sports Illustrated or what they're seeing on, on ESPN or, or, or whatever, uh, you know, or on trading cards. You know, I was a, I was, a, you guys know, I was a trading card guy all my life. And, uh, that's how I learned photography visually. That was the, my, my visual education was looking at trading cards. So that's how I approached photography for the longest time was trading card style. Do you still have a lot of cards right now? Um, Yes and no. I, I got rid of a lot of my cards, the majority of my cards, whenever we, um, m- right before we moved back home in 2004. But I st- I kept a lot of, I kept my highlights. Have I you, kept a lot of the Have you stuff. ever had a Michael Jordan rookie card in your possession? So it's funny you ask. My second album, Even the Wind, was primarily funded by selling Michael <laughs> Jordan rookie cards. Oh, dude, that is that. I'm, if you would have held on to them until the last dance, they would have doubled in price. We are four <laughs> podcasts into this, and finally, you say something worth uh, <laughs> broadcasting, Ross. Well done. Well so, done. So the the I'm love. By the way, I'm loving the the Jordan and the Bulls last dance. I'm absolutely loving that. Well, you that better say that because anybody that comes on my podcast, if they say they don't, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> did you what? Yeah. You think, what'd you think about the the last two? Did you think they were the? We thought they were the the best ones so Five. far. So so my personal take is I loved I loved the first four. Um, five I I I loved. Six, I thought was a little bit lackluster, but then again, I look back at it and I think, okay, when you're ta- when you're weighing out Luke Longley and Tony Kukoc versus Dennis Rodman, <laughs> the entertainment value goes down drastically. They, they should have hired James Critter Ritter to come in and make them look good. <laughs> but I'm I'm loving the thing I love about it is is the just the laid back casual interview style that they have. And everybody saw the same footage. Everybody answered the same questions. And it's funny how a lot of them were different, but a lot of the stories are the same. They remembered a lot of that stuff the same way. I'm, I'm loving Jordan's red eyes, his bloodshot eyes, and his whiskey his whiskey glass going. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to say red eyes, but you're going to you're going to you're going to like just skip past the fact that like they're yellow. Part of them are yellow. <laughs> part of them are red. I don't know what's going on and, there. Man. And, and the fact that they're completely unfiltered. I, I knew, yeah. I knew Dennis Rodman was going to be like letting loose. But when you hear Michael Jordan dropping that bombs, it's like, wow, the dude's yeah. real. And you know, we, we all cut, we all say the, the F word and, and this, that we all drop it. But people like to think we shouldn't at times, you know, especially when we're in the public, I and things like that like but I, I think it's great I, I'm, I'm enjoying the hell of yeah. it me and Todd wrestle with it all the time <laughs> I'm a cusser Todd's not so I'm not a cusser and we go, I've we, really laid back on my cussing we, in we this go back, so. we go back and forth <laughs> this asshole wants to cuss all the time fuck <laughs> 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 that ah, alright Billy okay we'll do the jokes um, 
So we're getting off track. Imagine that. We're good at that. That was a great question, though. If I want to pat myself on the back. It was a fantastic question. Going back to that? Jeez. It was. Rossi was a fantastic question. And and if you think about it, those Michael Jordan rookies, I know you know this. Uh, So this was was in 2001. Um, The Michael Jordan rookies at the time were anywhere between $800 and $1,200 a piece. And it's like, as I told you guys earlier, it's very expensive to make a record. My record, I would say, was at least 75% funded on Michael Jordan rookies alone. Wow. Now, with that being with that being said, I no longer have. I, I should have kept one, yeah. but I didn't. Um, and now they're now they're they're ridiculous. You yeah. you can't even touch one for under two grand. I wouldn't think. Yeah, I was. I remember I had a great collection of cards. I remember in college I was hung over one day and sold them for an a used <laughs> pair of Nikes, a boombox, and forty dollars. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty much all true. <laughs> so move, move, move it on in the story. Uh, shoot. So, so yeah, I mean after after right. that, um, you know, I, I started doing all the the local stuff. I ended up going into um, getting contacted by a friend, and he basically said, "Hey, I see you're shooting all this used stuff and the high school stuff, and, and it's amazing." He said, "Have you ever thought about doing professional college or pros?" And I was like, "Yeah, I would love to, but you're I like, just don't." You're know. like, "Mofo, I did the freaking Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Titans. What are you talking about?" <laughs> right, right. My interest, and, and, and that was all. That was all I had. That one season. That th- I had the first dance and the last dance right there, you know? <laughs> but um, you know, he's like, "Well, there's an opportunity coming up um, that I think you might be interested in. It's called the Sports Shooter Academy Workshop, and it's open invitation. You send in a portfolio, and uh, it's basically reviewed by a dozen or so of the best uh, sports photographers on the West Coast because this is based out of L.A." And uh, if, if I think you've got a good chance of getting in. So I basically put together my portfolio, reached out to a handful of friends and picked probably 40 pictures and get, got their uh, information and their input. The guys I respected that I knew that I happened to know already in the business. And they, they helped me put together a 20 photo portfolio that I sent in for this application. And I ended up getting contacted on uh, New Year's Eve of uh 20 2012 i think it was yeah new year's eve of 2012 uh basically let me know that amongst the hundreds or thousands of Mm -hmm. applicants that i had been chosen as one of the 40 people to go out to la and participate in this workshop which like i said was put on by a dozen or so of the best most well-respected sports photographers in the business so was this like the star mania photographers Oh, absolutely. (laughs) This, no, no, this was the star search of photographers. There's star mania, which is kind of like the AAA affiliate of star search. (laughs) But uh, we ended up going out there and it was, uh, you know, you got the, the San Francisco 49ers team guy, the Seattle Seahawks team guy, uh, the LA times uh, sports guy, two staffers for the USA today sports network. Um, I mean, just some of the best of the best are putting on this, uh, this workshop and it was a a week long workshop where I, and I learned more guys in that week 
than I had in a lifetime of photography. Um, I just had been messing around with photography up until this point. But the thing I walked away from this, uh, this workshop, uh, the thing that I walked away, the most important thing was uh, how important networking is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's one thing to have the skill to, to create the images, but if you don't network and you don't know the right people, it's all useless. And that's probably same thing in Nashville. It's probably like that. It's like it's it's a lot of everything is a lot of kind of who you know and just and just meeting, connecting with people. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I I wish that if I could go back, the only regret that I have about my time in Nashville is that I didn't know, I didn't approach it with that same mindset. Uh, of just getting out there and knowing people, you know, getting to know people. At the time, believe it or not, I'm I'm pretty timid and shy. I don't co- go up and talk to people. Hold, but if oh, you, oh, oh, hold on, Tim, timid and shy? Yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, if, <laughs> if if you didn't know me, I wouldn't. We wouldn't. I wouldn't think we had anything in common. But when somebody approaches me and and that barrier is broken, then I, I'll let my guard down and we'll talk a little bit. But I, if I don't know you, I don't really. I don't really say a whole lot, which is that's hard to believe for a lot of people um, because I'm a, pretty much a public figure. I sing out in public. Uh, they see me working out in public and you got to put on a certain persona out there. But my real friends know a different Billy. You know, you guys, we, we talk all the time. You right. know? Todd, where is there two Todd's? Is there three Todd's? Is there four Todd's? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> are you a public figure? I want to know what, these. What's that? Are you a public figure? Me, no. Not even a little bit. Okay. <laughs> He's absolutely a public figure. That's, what, down, I, that's what I think. He is downplaying this so yes. big. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm known for our podcast, <laughs> for keeping it afloat <laughs> for all the, you know. Yes, you are. <laughs> so out of that, like I said, the networking was the biggest uh, tool, the most important thing that I took out of it. And I know, Todd, you... You, you guys both, being business owners, you know how important networking is. Absolutely. And uh, I think if uh, social media had been big like it is now, back when when I was in Nashville trying to make a run at it and I had all these tools at my fingertips, I probably could have done something a lot different, you know, but nobody knows. Yeah. Um, but I came back from that uh, out of L.A. with the networking tools in my pocket and I reached out to a couple of these guys afterwards. And I ended up getting um, the information passed along about a small wire service uh, that would able that would enable me to get my foot in the door with Mizzou and Illini, you know, the college college athletics. So I started shooting Mizzou football and Illini football in uh, 2013, the fall of 2013, uh, and that led to the Blues that winter as well. Um, but it was just by making meeting people, making making those relationships. A couple questions I got real quick. Photography wise, give me a couple of your best moments ever. I don't know. The, I don't, I don't even want to say maybe it could be your best picture. Maybe it could be like the moment you've had where you're like, wow, I'm so glad. I'm so grateful to be right here right now for this. And, and no pun intended, but I have a front row view. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, I get it. That there's been so many, honestly, I, it's hard to put your finger on it, but so many things have happened. Um, I'll tell you what's what just off the top of my head, uh, what's really rewarding to me 
just not just as a photographer, but as a person, as a human being, is being there watching these kids come up. You know, these, these kids come up through through the organization from single A, you know, low A, single A, double A, triple A, up through into the, the big leagues. And a lot of them get called up, and you never know what if, if that one call up is going to be the only time they get called up, and that's it. But whenever I'm able to capture a kid's major league debut or especially their, their first home run, their first big moment, and well, tell, capture well, that. Okay, well, we want you specific here, Hurst. All right, so tell me the, a big moment. Who, who somebody you saw coming up that you captured a big moment? Comes to the top of your head right now. Um, top of my head, Luke Voigt. Boom. Luke Voigt's uh, first, first career Yankee. home run uh, was the weekend of July 4th. Um, we were wearing our July 4th uniforms. I'll never forget it. Um, we were having fireworks that night. He gets to come up to the plate in the eighth inning to pinch hit. And the other guys had already gone up top to stake out their spot for the fireworks. Because you go up top and you clamp your wide angle down. Everybody wants the wide angle fireworks shots, you know, with the arch Mm -hmm. and the stadium in the background. Well, this was my very first year. And I'm like, hey, they're like, hey, rookie, hang out down here and take pictures. We're going to go up (laughs) and get the best spots for the fireworks. I'm like, okay, it's the eighth inning. We were we were either losing big or winning big. I can't remember. Luke Voigt comes up. It's his first career home run. I get it. I'm the only guy that gets it. And uh, uh, see and, that that is the that, that is, is the awesome. raw material, the 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 great information we like <laughs> to get here at the Eat Slay Live podcast, Billy. You see that? All right, real quick. And, and you know, Luke is a is a local local product too. He he's uh, got roots in St. Louis and 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 uh uh ties with uh you know another another mutual friend uh jr jason hall um he actually was able to get some prints that i had made up of luke in his first home run uh to him and he was so grateful that he actually signed one and uh and got it back here for me so that was very very cool i think we could all agree we could we could do this for another couple hours but we got about five minutes left um real quick i want to know how many championships have you have you done? World Series. I'm sure you covered the Blues here in this last Stanley Cup. How many championships have you done, real quick? So um, I haven't covered any World Series, unfortunately. The NLCS Dang. last year was the first one, you know, because we haven't been to a World Series since uh, what 2011, yeah. mm-hmm. and I started in 2013. Okay. Um, or 2014, actually, I started covering them in 14. I've shot several NLDS, NLC, uh, NLCS, but uh, never a World Series. Did Last year's uh, St. Louis Blues run, the Stanley Cup run, was uh, was pretty unbelievable. And, and one thing we're going to do before we post our podcast is I'm going to put up some of Billy's some really good shots. Shots that he I'm going to I'm put that little Elvis picture up and put some really good uh, photography shots. I'm going to actually I'm going to put up the uh, the badass Nelly banner too. Um, all right, before we get off here, we're gonna do a little. We're gonna shoot you some questions. You're gonna shoot we, us some answers. Well, we like to call it the Thunder Lightning Round. You don't like that name? I love it. You, really? Because you didn't use it. I was setting you up. You, oh, you setting me up. Setting you up. Okay. <laughs> thunder and lightning. Yeah, I like I, that. I'm thunder. If you, if you did, if he's you didn't know. thunder. Yeah. Hey, yeah. with this first question, remember, he's thunder. I'm like, <laughs> first question, Todd, is yours. Well, I, I don't I don't know why you put the phone in front of me. I know the questions. I made up the questions. I'm the research, the wardrobe, the 
everything guy. Okay, so then I'll uh, take it. I'll take him away from you and see how you now, do. Billy. You don't. This one you might want to think about a little bit. Okay, please. Who do you think would win in a foot race between Ross and I? What What are we saying, Ross? Fifty yards. Forty yard. Forty yard dash. Everybody's familiar with the forty yard dash. Forty yard dash. Who you got? Who you got? Forty Forty yard dash. Uh, I'm gonna pick Todd, but anything longer, I'm gonna pick Ross. <laughs> so if I would have said fifty, I, I okay. you know, first of all, yeah. we've asked several people that question. You're the first one to pick me. You so are. So thank you. Thank you're you for in that. The minority. Thank you. <laughs> what uh, what music are you into right now? Jesus, uh, hey, Billy. I, listen, we don't have another four hours, so no. <laughs> these are quick. These right. are quick, Billy. Right. Uh, because I do. I, I normally do listen to everything. I really do. When I say it, I listen to it all. I do. I love metal. I love hip hop. I love country, and I love eighties. But right now, what? Well, let's let's put it this way. What kind of mood am I in right now? I, I'm in a heavy metal mood right now. I've got my Metallica and Justice for All shirt on. We, you I'm made us. Bunch, I'm listening to a bunch of heavy metal right now. You made us plan play Pandera. Pantera for your walkout song. So, we, you're yeah. definitely in a, in a heavy metal. What's your favorite book? You know, you and I, we've talked about a lot of things. Skip a favorite, couple questions. But what's, okay. your, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is uh, probably Tommy Land or um, The Garth Factor. They're, they're like music books, stories, music. obviously, it's- stories about. Tommy Lee from Motley Crue and Garth Brooks. Um, write yeah, those, very, Ross. very straight behind the scenes information in those books. Ross, write those down. Write those down. Write okay, those down. Got, he's got. It. Next <laughs> question. All right, what actor would play you in a movie? I like this. I like this for Billy. I want to hear this. Don't you can't listen. Brad Pitt's already been used. <laughs> so don't throw us a don't throw us a throw us a curveball. Well, I, I would say um, it, it, if we could bring back anybody, I, w- I would love it to be John Belushi. Oh, that's great I like that. Answer. I like that. He has a lot of range. You have a lot of range. I like that. I like yeah. that. And, and you know, and, and you, I like to think, I take what you say seriously, Todd. I know a lot of people don't, but I take it seriously. And I, I, take I will it do heart. the jokes. I will do the jokes on this I, podcast, Billy. No, I take it Billy. to heart. You mentioned earlier that, that you, had trained, you had trained me, and you said that I have the agility of a jungle cat. Mm-hmm. Those are your, your words, not mine. And so Chris Farley has the, you know, he's got the moves, so maybe Chris Farley. Okay. Um, so that movie, we got we got Belushi playing. Yeah, we're gonna go with Belushi. We're gonna go. With, All right. Nell, Nelly's already stolen Chris Farley for his movie. So, uh, you got Belushi playing you. Who does the soundtrack for that movie? And holy cow! You got thirty um, seconds, Hurst. You got thirty <laughs> seconds. That's what she said. I Let's would go. say. Man, yeah, that that. Yeah. No. 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 Hank Williams Jr. Hank right. Williams, I like it. I like it. I like it. So does Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes likes it too. We all love it. Uh, real quick, before we get off, I do want to kind of touch what, what we're doing right now. You know, since we've all been kind of locked up in this corona the last eight weeks, Tara and I, my wife, we've been doing these weekly Facebook concerts on, our, on my Facebook channel. Uh, we go live Saturday night, 7 o'clock, and we play Tell the Cows Come Home. We, I, we get four hours on Facebook Live, and we take everything. I, I love it. I, well, you did a, a pre-show this past weekend live up at the, in Jerseyville. You did it for a local business, uh, the Redbird uh, Cafe Deli up there. Yeah. And 
I was on a dock in the Lake of the Ozarks and we had that show playing. It, it was That's somewhat, awesome. It, it That's was, awesome. It, so this week, you know, with the, this Saturday being Tara uh, and myself, it's our 22nd anniversary. Uh, we're just going to have fun. We're going to, we're going to have an anniversary show, you I, know, play, play some requests and, and, Beller for four hours, and we're gonna we're gonna we'll put up a link to that or whatever. And because like what we didn't talk about with this whole Corona thing, I know being a photographer, there's no there's no uh, there's no Cardinals baseball going on, there's no Blues baseball going on, baseball or hockey going no on, little league, no, nothing. no little so, league, nothing. And so I know yeah. you're not working either. So um, and I know you do that for virtual tips, and we're gonna put up a link uh, on our on our Eat Slay Live podcast page to. Send people to you to watch you Saturday. Night. I know I'll be watching. Next question. One, <laughs> right. one sentence of advice you would give your high school self. Listen more, talk less. Boom. Well, you did not. You, you should have gave that your that advice to yourself before this podcast started. We should. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, I was invited to talk. I got to tell my story, right? <laughs> tell them, Billy. All right. So here's a good one for you. It's the best one. It, this one is. So you've been down to the Thunderdome. What's your favorite exercise to do at the Thunderdome? Uh, my favorite exercise to do at the Thunderdome is probably... Um, Trap bar deadlift. Trap bar. De- there you go. I like that. Mine's, I like that. Mine's walking out the door. <laughs> but, hey, trap trap bar deadlift. All right. <laughs> and also, I. What is your favorite thing to eat at the Brick House? Wings, hands down, wings. Ooh, that's, I like that. That's, that's a, a great call. answer. That is a good. And, and, no, and, and, I, I got to tell you guys, my wife and I are wing snobs. We are the worst wing snobs. And you guys, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. You have the best wings in the area. <laughs> Booyah! And, yes. and, it, and it happens to be Wing Wednesday. Ooh, I didn't, yeah, oh, so does that mean we get a free, well, uh, free set? Next question. <laughs> All right. So at the beginning of this, so we got a couple minutes. Um, I, I always ask our guests what their starting five would be in their profession. Um, it can be... It can it can be now. It can be later. I mean, you could say someone alive. You can say someone who's already who's left us already. And Todd, but at the beginning, Todd asked me, "So, what are you going to ask Billy?" Um, and I said, "Well, I mean, of course, singers." But now that I've heard your story, I'm going to give you. I want two starting fives from you. I want starting five of singers. So you're the coach. You're drafting your team of five starters singers but i also now want five photographers because i think that's not i mean singers are a lot more known but can you give us five photographers that you'd pick as well hell yeah 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 absolutely i I could do that so um let's let's do it um can can we can we do it i know you're starting five coming from a basketball perspective can we do a mount rushmore instead so it's our it's four I, you know, hey, well, it's your this show, is, Billy. This is unprecedented <laughs> on the Eat Slay. This is unprecedented, uncharted waters for us. Ross, can I get a ruling? I say, yes. I like it. Yes. Okay. Yes, you can. <laughs> All right. So my my Mount Rushmore of, of country. I'm going to make it easy because uh, '90s well, country. Is, well, we didn't is say we didn't thing. say country, but if you would you because probably be easier for you to do country. We want to do country, country singers. 
That most definitely for me, okay. because right. even though I love all different sorts, of, I, we'd be here all day talking about things. Let's let's keep well, focused. Let's keep fast. All day, another day. You mean another <laughs> yeah. day? Okay. So, um, '90s country is where my roots are, and so as far as '90s country, my my Mount Rushmore '90s country has got it, it begins and ends with George Strait. I lo- you would have thought Garth Brooks coming from me, but George Strait, Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson. Um, Clint Black. Boom. Bam. I did. All right. Photographers. I didn't, I didn't see I gotta, Clint I gotta Black cut you off, Todd. We're running short on time. <laughs> Photographers. Photographers. Uh, Scott Rovac, who is a St. Louis Cardinals team photographer for 34 years. He's the Blues team photographer. He was the Rams team photographer. Uh, he's my biggest mentor in the in the business. I uh, love him to death. Scott Rovac. Uh, Brad Mangine who is a West coast photographer that he, he photographed a lot of those things that you guys I know are familiar with. Remember the Costacos brothers posters uh, from yeah. back in the day, mm-hmm. Brad Mangine was the guy, the Bash brothers, all that stuff. Wow. Ronnie yeah. Lott, the hitman. That was him. We had the uh, Lester still, Hayes, Lester today. Hayes, the judge. Did he do Lester he, Hayes, the judge? Absolutely. Shout out to Bob Yosey. Uh, so Brad, and, and then, uh, I would say, um, VJ Lavero, who has passed away, he was the uh, Anaheim Angels photographer, but he, he also was the first photographer for upper deck trading cards back in the day. VJ was the guy. All the all the photos that you see, those iconic photos, VJ was the man. Um, and then lastly, I would probably say, um, gosh, there's there's so many, and, and I, I would I would end up leaving leaving somebody out. But I, I would have to say. Um, Ross Halfen, uh, who is a probably the one of the best, if not the best, um, concert and music photographers out there. I mean, he's photographed everybody from Led Zeppelin to Post Malone. He's still doing it today. Nice, great answers, great answers, Billy. Thanks so much for being on the show, man. This is this has been awesome. Todd, take us guys, home. Guys, it's, it's been my pleasure. Thank you, guys. I mean, this this was the uh, highlight of my week. Ours <laughs> <laughs> <Arms> too. <laughs> now that is a lie. But I'd like to thank you for turning into the Eat Slay Live podcast. We have been the Locksecutioners. We've been talking lightning, eating thunder with our man, our boy, the legend, the local legend, the bellering all your favorite tunes all the time. Catch him on a Saturday night live on Facebook. Uh, he does four-hour shows. Four hours. Four hours. And like I've listened to every single one of them. Eight, it's been eight weeks, and it's never repeats. Never Damn. repeats. So, Ross, slay on, brother. Slay on, brother.